0: Welcome to Pardon the Apocalypse. And with me today, I have Dalton. Thank you for joining me.
1: Hey, thank you for having me back. It's a lot of fun. Oh yeah,
0: not to put you on the spot right away, but here's a question I wouldn't have been able to answer myself very well. Name some heroes that big media has propped up that were heroes for their accomplishments and not for their victim status.
1: That's a difficult one. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of stumped right here. Um I would say, you know, everybody has something to be a victim of, but whether they wear it on their shoulder or their sleeve is a different thing. I'm sure everybody has been a victim of something.
0: I'm guessing you could probably name quite a few of them that have been, you know, idolized, you know, made into a hero basically for their victimhood status.
1: Huh? Absolutely. And and it sells more. It it gets more clicks and you know, it, it attracts an emotional response from the viewer that either they feel a connection with or some sort of uh, understanding. It's a, that's a difficult question. I'm not sure of any that aren't propped up by some sort of victimhood these days. Yeah,
0: definitely at one point in the past, but no longer, it seems like. Let's say, you know, looking at some of the magazine covers, I've seen morbidly obese women lifted up as heroes as being bold and brave and putting on the front cover. You know, not so much of like, hey, they cured some disease or something, but just for the fact that, yeah, they are a victim of a situation, you know. I've seen all these other different ones where one person had won a uh, beauty contest, and it wasn't because they had less blemishes, a symmetric face, or straight teeth, or a good jawline. I think, yeah, obviously, I mean, you could pump it in AI, and it'll say, yeah, this person didn't win on their looks. They won because of their victim status, because they are part of the trans community and she, you know, just didn't look as good as the other contestants, but definitely it seemed like they're just picking winners and losers, you know, off of emotions.
1: I completely agree. Two weeks ago, we had talked about how uh, men are very competitive and women you're losing to a born biological male wearing makeup in a beauty contest. Now I would pick every real woman over that trans individual, not that not transphobic or anything like that, but I think women are beautiful. It's disrespectful to all the women that stood on that stage with that individual to say that uh, he was more beautiful than the rest, and it's a fallacy. It's not real. It's a facade. They're trying to get you to believe what you don't. They're trying to get you to believe that everybody is out to get this individual, and
0: they're the only virtuous person to come and be their savior. They're the only true white knight. Everyone else is bad people, and they're the good ones. They're they're better than the rest of us. They're They're trying
1: to convince you the sky is green and not blue. And once you ignore your own eyes, we're in a scary place. Yeah, and I think it's just kind of crazy with some,
0: especially with like women's athletics. Like I have daughters, and I tell them, like, hey, yeah, testosterone does help quite a bit, especially if you get that at least through puberty. And I tell him like, Hey, whatever you accomplish in athletics, it is difficult. You know, women can do so many things better than men, you know, emotionally Agreed. or, you know, with word play, like they could dominate us in a game of Scrabble, just have a natural ability over us. And I tell her like, Hey, you know, if you have to carry around all of this stuff, that's critical for making life, like that's a hell of accomplishment. If you can do all these athletic things with that, I guarantee a lot of dudes out there, if you know, take away their lifetime span of testosterone and give them a baby making factory. Like yeah, all their athletic accomplishments would be immensely tougher. You know, if they had that going with them, I, mean, I,
1: I completely agree. Giving birth is the most beautiful thing on this planet and it is not given enough credit. If men had to do that, we'd hear a whole lot more complaining. I'd tell you that much. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> We, there, there's a lot of things women are better at than men, and I think for a long time they weren't given the credit they deserve. And so we're we're in a time period where there's an overcorrection where men are being disenfranchised for the things that they support and provide. You know, this pendulum swings both ways, and we just got to find how to how to roll with the yeah, how to
0: take care of both groups. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to just hey, let's just go out and hate one group exclusively. Yeah, that's not a winning solution. And kind of looking at some of these. These heroes, what happened to Floyd was was terrible. We need systemic changes, obviously. When you have someone down and they're no longer a threat, there's no need for a knee on someone's neck like that. I mean, obviously those things need to be changed. But on the other end of it too, I mean, there's been a lot of victims out there. I mean, maybe we could have picked one that didn't have such a terrible history. You know, obviously he was on fentanyl. He was selling drugs. At one point he'd even threatened a Pregnant woman by threatening her child, um, which is just terrible. I'm sure we could have found someone better, but what happened to him was horrendous. And I understand a lot of this situation was, yeah, that was all on film. And this is more of a, a an emotional type of deal than it is a logical thing, because obviously it spurs up your emotions. But people kind of get lost in the whole stir of things, and they don't even look how do we change these things systemically. There's very little talk out there about, hey, let's put cameras in every single cop. But that's one of the things that helped this situation. And correcting a lot of this
1: stuff. You're absolutely right. And again, we come back to this emotional response. You know, how much money was donated through the Black Lives Matter riot? How much of that money actually went to helping that community rather than people going out and buying mansions and committing tax fraud? Okay. You know, there, it's such an interesting thing to see victimhood utilized for financial gain. And we see it more and more today than ever.
0: Yeah. I mean, People happy and, you know, working together that doesn't make money. And yeah, I agree with you on the Black Lives Matter thing. Yeah, there were a lot of victims out there, a lot of families who went just through horrific events with the family members passing away. And yeah, Black Lives Matter. The foundation didn't give money to those people. They kept it. And I understand like those mansions. I know for tax reasons it was mentioned that these are influencer houses (laughs) and that they were supposed to be used to make videos for the cause but i think they've only put out maybe two videos for these mansions so that is not effective cost management whatsoever and it just
1: it's tragic i,
0: I hope the irs shows up and starts asking a lot more questions because that is ridiculous i wish they'd take that money and give it to the victims of those families who lost someone they loved i mean it's just it, it's a horrific situation it makes it worse when you see people taking advantage
1: i completely agree Um, it's a it's a difficult thing to watch and it's a difficult thing to navigate I'm not so sure the IRS are the best people to call for a situation like that because I also think they're off in the deep end but yeah you know we need to see more uh, self-accountability I would definitely like to see those people who who were sent all that money actually use it to help the people in these communities that need it but they won't because we're all selfish on some extent and you know when we utilize someone else's downfall to profit, we don't see a need to give to others like we really should. I think one thing we aren't doing enough in today's era is giving, giving to other people, whether that's time or resources. Uh, time is one thing I'm short on these days. Um, I find myself dishing out more resources than I do allocating time to people, which is something I'm working on. But it's a, it's a difficult tightrope to walk. Um, We all have to do do what we can to survive, but we we need to give more, everybody on every level.
0: I, I agree. We definitely do need to give more. I think one of the unfortunate things when it comes to giving more, everybody has that mentality of, well, everyone needs to give more, but it's that other person with more than me that needs to give more. One thing I've noticed is that, yeah, a lot of people are pushing socialism very hard. So basically the argument for a lot of these socialists is that socialism is not as greedy as capitalism and it's people looking out for other people. It's more virtuous. I think the ideals of socialism, where it's supposed to be some utopia where everyone's looking out for each other more so than like capitalism or other systems, but they point to the rich, you know, people who have more than they do, and say, hey, they need to give out more stuff to these poor people, but they never look at themselves and realize, wow, the average American sure has a heck of a lot more than everybody else. I mean, what about that poor farmer in India who's committing suicide because the crops were terrible and he can't feed his family this year? When we get to a practical real world experience, we just don't see people saying, hey, if they're really better people, they're not looking to get resources split from other people first. They're looking to distribute their own resources first. If you're American, there's obviously a lot of people out there with fewer resources than you. And that's why I think a lot of this is hypocritical and kind of a power play. Like, yeah, they always want someone with more resources. Hey, you give up your stuff. I'm not giving up mine. Which is just the opposite of what we should see if these are really just better people, they should be to the front of the line, being like, I'm giving up my stuff right now to all these people less fortunate and you know, build it up kind of a grassroots as opposed to, you know, break down from the top down. It should be from the bottom up.
1: It's because it's easier. It's easier to deflect and avoid self accountability than it is to actually do the right thing, in my opinion. And it is far it is more beneficial. For an individual to be selfish, it is way easier for them to be selfish and it is more beneficial for them to be selfish than it is for them to be generous. Today's society, the reason I believe we have moved so far away from volunteering generosity is mainly because it's harder than ever to do it. It's harder than ever to survive, in my opinion, financially. The value of the dollar is constantly decreasing to these other currencies. Uh, people Tax are having is everywhere. To, taxes everywhere. People are having to work longer hours for less pay than their grandparents were at one point. Uh, This is why the family nucleus is falling apart entirely uh, because we have no one raising our children. We are allowing the federal government and the public education system to raise our children, which I would highly advise against.
0: Well, if everything is a right and I need everything, it means that takes more taxes, more regulation, and just, all these little things just pushing down on the little guy today, just trying to start off. Like I could see like, man, someone's taking a cut everywhere. Every time you do something, Like I can understand it'd be terrible trying to start a business today for some of these
1: really young folks. Yeah. Small businesses, first and foremost, I mean, with this new tax tax system, we got with Joe Biden, uh, is really, really harmful to small businesses. Uh, I do believe that, uh, COVID was a consolidation period for a lot of small businesses. Uh, that, that, two-year period killed more small businesses than than we see killed in a decade and and that really wrecked people that wrecked people not only through their confidence um but also also their ability to provide for their family they were told they were not an essential business so they must close and and you know this was all based on information uh that was being hidden behind scenes that we now know not to be true But we weren't allowed to talk about that. And this, again, comes back to this idea of control and people not taking self-accountability for the decisions that they made. Um, This is overwhelmingly why I am frustrated with a lot of the people in charge today is no self-accountability, no apology for the decisions that they made that impacted millions of Americans. And the truth is, they still don't care.
0: That is very true. They're just thinking about themselves in those situations.
1: Self-preservation. We all do it to some extent, some more than others, just like some volunteer more than others. It's all a spectrum and we all fall somewhere on that spectrum. What I would say is no matter where you fall, I hope you're striving to be better and to uh, benefit more people around you. You know, The biggest thing with capitalism, often people criticize, is these people who become successful. But what people forget is When I become more successful, I'm able to help more people, whether that is through my resources or through my, the freedom that I create allows me more time to help people. And today we aren't having enough of those successful people leading. This is why we can't think of an example of someone who is not held up by a victimhood mentality, who is leading or at at the very least being an example of what we should do or should be.
0: Yeah, I'd say, yeah, there's definitely fewer of those examples out there. And I kind of wonder, too, with fewer people achieving that kind of success, I think we're almost kind of getting like a weird kind of religious, almost cult-like situation where people are tying their ego as opposed to being a successful business owner. I think a lot of people are tying their ego to, well, I'm more virtuous, I'm more you know, moral than thou. And I think we're getting a lot of these situations where a lot of these people, like I said earlier, they don't look at themselves and say, hey, I should give my stuff to people lower than me because that would look as themselves as privileged. And why haven't they given it more? And I think that's what they're avoiding at all costs is they want to have that virtuous high ground. I am more moral than you. I am better than you. And they can't do that if they say, hey, I actually benefit more than somebody else. You know, we all want to look like we're the complete underdog but really look around the world there's always somebody who has it a little bit worse than we do
1: age old argument i had it harder than you do and that's why i am the way i am right people use this as an excuse to how they react to something oh why well, reacted like that because of this right instead of saying oh i had an emotional outburst it it, it was my fault uh, you know i'll do better to correct that you know they say oh well i did this because Right. You know, we're trying to deflect yet again that that responsibility of you're a human, you control your own reactions to everything that happens to you. If you can't control that, then you're a child. <laughs> you're not an adult. You should not be able to to deal with real world scenarios and, and this is where Darwinism just hasn't been taking uh, its course like it should.
0: Yeah, you know, I think, yeah, you know, especially with education nowadays, no one is at blame for this or that my my daughters are half African American, half white, and you know it's just kind of funny. I ask him like, well, what's the school experience for you? What are your complaints of this and that? And she was telling me like, well, I don't hear you know derogatory things from you know the white kids, but boy, there are some terrible things you know from some of the other black kids. You know, a lot of it is targeted at other black kids or mixed kids or this and that. And her being mixed, you know, obviously I don't appreciate some of that. But I mean, I think a lot of it is if you're in a victim class, you can kind of get a lot of freedom to say whatever you want,
1: mm-hmm. and get you out know, of maybe we free see,
0: card. you know, maybe we see some of that in some of these minority uh, neighborhoods when it comes to policing. You know, there's a lot of kickback if you're over policing, and unfortunately, if you're one of the people in that neighborhood and you're a victim, an actual victim of a crime, well, some of that might have been a little bit allowed because the police were told, you know, don't come down on people too hard, don't come through this area too often, and it doesn't help people out. Yeah, we see prison
1: terms being shortened for violent offenders. You know, if you're a second degree murder uh, in New York, I believe right now you you can you can post bond or bail. And, and you know, we see the lightening of of all these crimes, whether that be uh, sexual crimes, which are horrific and should be charged to the fullest extent, or whether you know it's everything down to tax theft. Right, we, we're we're seeing the the rules constantly be broken, first of all, by the people above us. First of all, by the people who are financially capable to do so. Laws only apply to people who can't afford lawyers. Okay. People, people make these decisions on purpose. A lot of this is not on accident, like people think. Okay. These were decisions that they made and they prepared for. And oftentimes, if you are at, some sort of financial advantage, it puts you in a better spot than if you are uh, at a disadvantage. And unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about that other than working really hard to put yourself on the other side of that line.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm always a big proponent where a lot of these regulations, legislation that make it very difficult for the small business owner, I always kind of feel like, yeah, if someone has a good chunk of the market, even if they're not monopoly or oligopoly status yet, boy, I think regulation should be immensely tougher on them than versus the small person starting up his first business. Like we really got to get back to protecting that small guy because he keeps the big guy honest and the big guy isn't doing his job, you know, regulation, price setting, we think that helps to a degree. It fails more than we'd like to admit. Boy, does, you know, that hardworking small business, you know, trying to build something, they keep, they keep people honest. And it's that, that market pressure, because you can pressure them with everything else, but if you don't pressure them with money, and the only way you do that is with competition, that's the only way to really get these companies to behave correctly. C- and that's why I'm a big capitalist.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. Competition is the best thing for society. It is the best thing for people on a basic level. When you, when you grow up as a, as a single, uh, single child in a family, you, know, you don't have that sense of camaraderie and that sense of having to share your things. You know, when when you grow up competing with a brother or multiple brothers, or multiple sisters or whatever it is, you know, there's a sense of competition that pushes you both to be better, right? And, and with business, when you have a monopoly, you have this, I don't care attitude. I can do whatever I want. And when there's competition right on your heels, you realize very quickly that you have to do some things that you're uncomfortable with. You have to do some things that appeal to the customers rather than whether it be your ego or what is financially beneficial, competition is overwhelmingly beneficial for society and for people on an individual level. Yeah, when it comes
0: down to you know, where's the money, boy, do things get real very quickly. You know, a lot of things can happen in a corporation, but if the money stops coming in, boy, is there rapid change because there's investors yelling at people on the board and the board is firing or doing whatever they need to do to get back to making money. Now, I kind of look at a lot of these uh, wokest activists, you know, and there's obviously a lot of monuments that have been torn down. And I hate the, you know, the Confederate ones, for instance, and it just drives me nuts. And I understand the whole free speech part, but I don't want federal or state money going to you know, Confederate, Confederate monuments anyway. But boy, it just, do you think on some of these wokest activists, when they're tearing down things like Abraham Lincoln, for instance, do you think if you put any of these people in Abraham's shoes back
1: then. Could they have done any better? I don't think they would have done any better. In fact, I think they would have done a lot worse. Actually, I think they would have done a lot worse if they were just a normal person living back in that time. Uh, in fact, I, I'm not really sure what they're accomplishing by doing that. That's my whole question. You know, same thing behind destroying your own inner city. You know, you're destroying your own home businesses in your local community who have nothing to do with what is the real problem and this is where i get into like virtual signaling and and pointing fingers and and blaming people who have really nothing to do with what the problem is now is abraham lincoln somehow tied into the problems within this country yeah i'm sure he is
0: but if he's you not think, perfect but yeah, boy none of he, us are perfect yeah my whole view on that is it's just well yeah he's not perfect but oh boy if you put some woke activist person cuz a lot of these activists will say, well, everyone from the past is morally worse than me. I am superior to all of them, and they're terrible. They don't look at the context of the situation. You know, Obviously, you should be pushing the envelope for change in a good way, when, whatever context you live within, but how come one of these abolitionists didn't get elected over Abraham Lincoln? Well, for one, yeah, the context of the situation, it, it would have been very difficult in that situation. And I think with Abraham Lincoln, Yeah, he pushed the envelope, you know, quite a bit at the time to get things done where he could still get elected. He got elected and, you know, maybe he almost pushed it. He pushed it so hard that I think it was actually at a risk that, you know, he died after the war, but if he died before the war, boy, when it comes to like civil rights, you know, and ending ending slavery, I think it would have put us back years. I'm glad that he just, I'm just really glad he didn't die until after the war. Boy, and I, I, it really drives me insane that, well, what if he would have survived, you know, if someone didn't shoot him? Like, man, we could have been so much further
1: along than we are right now. Yeah, hindsight is always 20, 20 People always think that they would do better if they were in that circumstance or they would be better. You know, all of the Germans who sent the Jews to shower camp, you know, they all thought they were doing the right thing and they thought that everything was fine. And, oh, we had no idea what they were doing. You know, all of these kind of people are completely oblivious to reality, in my opinion. You know, they don't take any self-accountability. They don't take any understanding to circumstance, right? Anybody who is, you know, 100 years ago, for you to say that they're morally wrong as a person is kind of ignorant to the realities of the world, of, of every race ever in history being enslaved at one point, And every person has struggled at one point. Our scales are just different, and, and most people don't take the time to to self-reflect on our life, let alone the the person who we are observing life and the things that they had to go to. Abraham Lincoln, I'm sure, went through many trials and tribulations and many things that that put him at a disadvantage, but instead of falling victim to those disadvantages, he either worked on himself or improved himself to the point where he did not use it as a crutch, right? You know, people, we talk about the hero's arc. You know, I, I like that. Ba- I to like-
0: interrupt. I was going to say with Abraham Lincoln, I'm actually really glad that he went through a lot of trials and tribulation. I can say I'm really glad that he had to work for his dad for nothing. Like his dad mm-hmm. would just send him to another farmer and then he would work for them just hour on end. And, you know, he could kind of understand like, yeah, um, someone not getting paid for their own physical labor. This is terrible. So I'm glad that he had to go through that terrible experience because, I mean, that's part of the big push to end slavery. But yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, what you're saying.
1: You know, I, I, I like the the hero Batman because you, you it allows you to feel part of what he went through as losing both of his parents. But we all can imagine what it would be like if we didn't have our parents, whether you have them or not. And you know that would be difficult regardless of your circumstance, regardless of whether you're rich, regardless of whether you're poor. Although we could argue one may be easier than the other, both of them would be horrific. And what makes the difference is what Batman or Bruce Banner did to make a difference. Rather than shutting down, he could have just went off, slipped off somewhere and just minded his own business and, you know, kind of, he probably would have spiraled down some bad path if he would have allowed it to come to his detriment but he didn't he used it as strength he used it as something that he could grow from and that's what he did he became a better person and that's what we all have to do become better people
0: i think we've been missing you've described the uh the hero's journey pretty well you know there's that vulnerability like he lost his parents there was nothing he could do about that you know and then there was the work and the growth after that extreme low point but i think a lot of movies we've kind of missed a lot of that too unfortunately yeah, we want more women superheroes and whatnot. I know with Captain Marvel, a lot of people complained it was a terrible movie because there's no hero's journey. Well, if the person is kind of like Superman, they're just instantly powerful and they, you don't really, ex- well, maybe Superman isn't the best example, but you know, I guess in that movie, they just didn't show any vulnerability. You know, they didn't show him at the hero at some low point and then growing from that point, then there's not a lot of entertainment in it. There's no, there's no drama because nothing felt at risk you know, kind of circling back to, you know, just moving beyond this emotional argument that they're just trying to have and never actually looking at the systemic change. Obviously we mentioned, yeah, uh, cameras work better when you have them on cops. They make it better for the cop, they make it better for the people. Both of them treat each other statistically way better. And I think on a lot of these other things, just people aren't demanding what they should be demanding. I know, like when it comes to a drug dog, The cops use that so they can get probable cause to search your vehicle. If they already had probable cause, they're not bothering with the dog. And I think one of the things that drives me insane, like, yeah, a lot of these departments do have training logs with these, but a lot of them don't have logs and data on how many times a dog hits, you know, on a car in real life. Because let's be honest, probably about 10% of vehicles out there, they have drugs in them somewhere. I think people have weed or something in them. And I think if you have a dog that's hitting on pretty much every single car and you're only finding drugs in them maybe 15% of the time, I don't think that's a very good dog. I think they're using this and manipulating it in a lot of cases to bypass people's right to illegal search and seizure. I mean, that's what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Completely. You know, it's, it's another sense of control, right? It it's ba- brings back to the, to the days of when, uh, you know, if you're a Jew walking down the street, show me your papers right You didn't have that right to due process and, and the ability to to travel as a free citizen. you know you can break it all the way down to citizen checkpoints or DUI checkpoints, whether those are even justifiably legal because in this country, you're supposed to be able to get in your car with a driver's license and a in a licensed vehicle and travel freely without obstruction as long as I'm not breaking the law, and you simply sitting in the road waiting for people is obstructing my freedom to travel and you know i think largely the government has overstepped their power in my opinion well over 30 years ago once pegasus one was invented uh it, it was game over for the rest of our country as far as as monitoring uh, but pegasus two now they don't even have to send you a text you don't have to click on an image you don't have to you don't have to do nothing with pegasus II, they literally can look at anything and everything that has ever involved any piece of technology you've ever touched. And people don't understand how invasive that is because they often say, well, I have nothing to hide. So why is it a problem? It's a problem because you are a United States citizen and you have the right to privacy. The minute we give that away, Innocent we're, before guilty. Exactly. And, and the biggest problem with innocent before guilty is who decides. Right. It, it, it the minute you put the power into one person's hands, it doesn't matter who it is, whether they're morally correct or not. Power over time. This is why, in my opinion, we need to have term limits on every level. But power over time always corrupts itself. Every government in history, in history, has turned tyrannical at one point. And in my opinion, this government is no different. OK, we are a republic. We are a republic. Okay? The United States is a republic this is a lot of people's understanding of history is also flawed but what we need to do is is stay on these organizations and groups to be better okay that's all we can do is try to be better do agree that a lot
0: of people are giving up the things they should be demanding to hold but they're just giving them up freely
1: over the over the idea of safety people will only give their rights away for safety that is the thing they always come for, whether it's an emotional response, whether it's a panic mode, whether it's a, hey, you're doing this for the betterment of your, of your community and your neighbor, right? It's always under this guise of virtue.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of the unfortunate part because, I mean, we see so many different things in society that look too close to how the German people were acting prior to World War II. I, I remember reading the history books. There's no way I thought a group of people today would be complacent with genocide, but yet we look at the Uyghur population over there in China, where they're part African and part Chinese, like, you know, kind of shuffled on and off of those trains. They couldn't go certain places. You know, we've had some show up to Congress complaining about forced sterilizations and things, and just, people are very complicit with it. And if you say anything about this or negative about China, a lot of people are like, oh, are you just anti-Asian or this or that? We're like, that's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It's tragic. It it is really tragic. And what they're doing is they're creating a society that's based on classism. They're dividing this country and they're doing it intentionally. They do it on every single level they possibly can, okay, to keep us divided and distracted from uniting, really. We, we, We talked about earlier about my pet peeve with American. I believe we are all American. If you live in this country, you are an American, okay? You stand for what an American stands for. And the problem is, is we are all pointing at each other in other directions like the Spider-Man meme, rather than all pushing on one issue or all deciding, hey, we know this is a problem, let's fix it. Okay, we fixed that, now move on to the next problem. No, we all, a million different people have a million different problems and we're all trying to scream at each other which problem is bigger. Yeah, I do hate the
0: just breaking people apart and just general conversation. I remember in the 90s, like you just hang out with a lot of people of, bunch of different
1: views, you know, know,
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, you might be hanging out with someone who's Hispanic or African American or all these different groups. And the conversation was about whatever's around us and entertaining at the time. And now so much of the conversation or the jokes or just anything is just the identity of a lot of this stuff is just around race. And it just becomes a very boring, you know, exchange and just very weird. And we're kind of taught that everybody around us is, racist or this or that. And like I said, you know, my you know, my daughters are half, you know, half black, half white, so by society standards, they're black. But I mean in so many different situations, people like, oh just everybody's racist. Like we go out on a walk, like cars driving by in the local neighborhood, they give us plenty of space. They're very respectful of our safety. Or I remember when I went out to teach her a little bit about handling money, that money is a finite resource. So I give her a little bit of money to go buy some candy at the gas station. She can understand that, hey, I can't just go buy everything in there. And it kind of puts her in my perspective that yes, money is limited. It is finite. And so when we go through this little exercise, I give her a few bucks to go buy some candy at the gas station. And then she's counting out the change and this and that and the bills and whatnot. I'm not kidding you. Like every single person in line was like volunteering, you know, cash and change. And I'm like, you guys are completely destroying <laughs> this learning experience, but I really appreciate the fact that none of you are racist. <laughs> I appreciate your generosity, but she needs, you know, this is part of this little, she has plenty of cash to buy more candy than is healthy for her at this moment and will be just fine. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm not seeing this experience. The media is trying to artificially create this narrative they're creating. It's just, you know, in some places I'm sure it's a lot worse. You know, I mean, I don't live in Mississippi, but.
1: That's a, the, you know, that's an awesome experience that you just explained with your daughter. And I appreciate you sharing with that with me because, you know, that's more of what we need today, uh, real life examples of teaching and, and, you know, to see the community come around behind your daughter and, and be willing to help her is a beautiful thing. And I do agree with you. There are places in this world that are far worse. But I would argue that we could find places on the planet that are far worse than any state in this country. OK, racism is very much still alive in this world. It, it, I would say it's more alive in other parts of the world than it is here in the United States. But You're right. I would agree that uh, in the last four or five years, I have seen race talked about more than ever in my entire life on every level. Whether that not in a productive manner either. Exactly, not in a financial manner,
0: manner. but not a productive manner for society.
1: Which, which, in my opinion, is very dangerous. You know, when I was a kid, we were just kids running around the neighborhood. I. None of us cared what color you were. None of us cared where your financial status was. If you had a bike or a basketball, let's go to the park. We don't care. And this is my, this is, man, this is such a problem in today's world. Everybody's
0: identity now. It's like people have to be all about, hey, I'm part of this race or that race. It just wasn't like that. I remember in the 90s growing up. Exactly. And I think it's unfortunate. I know someone who just had an, an ancestry test done and, they're part African American, and I know they know they have some Italian in them, and they always bragged about being part Italian and part African American. And when their test came back, you know they're more, you know, English than anything. And I'm like, I have some English. So hey, we have something in common. You're mostly English, but boy, it just felt I I wasn't trying to insult the individual, but they felt just complete aversion to the fact like I'm like they're only one percent Italian. They weren't as African as the, what they thought they were. You know, and they were much more English. They didn't expect any amount of English and or Irish. And they, they were just almost completely offended by that fact. But, I mean, they kind of came around later like, oh, they're okay with, I guess, being part English or Irish. But, boy, they did not like that that first time because it was completely against their
1: identity. Yeah, exactly. They were triggered because it wasn't the identity that they were portraying to reality. I think we need more discourse. You know, the last few years we've been, people have been scared to speak out me including, um, you know, people have been uh, fearful of, of the future. And I think the only way we solve these problems is by more talking. And, and we have been censoring people, canceling people. And, and if you're so afraid of these people talking, why don't you debate them? Why, why, why do I see these left-leaning individuals begging for censorship and begging for people to be canceled? If you thought your idea was better, simply ask them to come sit down at a table with you and talk about it. Talk about it on live television. Talk about it on live radio. Talk about it wherever. Talk about it just in the comfort of your own home.
0: You're right. You're right. They're definitely not proponents of the free market of ideas. Because we do have a free market of ideas, but they don't want that. You know... I feel what you're saying, because it does feel like they're a religious cult in a way. And mm-hmm. I think they're looking for more of an emotional experience, maybe maybe a slightly spiritual one. And I, I kind of see that when people try and ask them questions, say at like a protest or something. And if you really want to upset one of them, you shouldn't just go up to it and say, hey, I feel emotionally completely opposite of what you feel on this subject. Yeah, they get a little upset, but they actually kind of want to have that argument there.
1: I have a great example of this. I just recently saw a video, and I can't. I'm, I'm kicking myself right now because I can't remember the state this occurred in. Uh, but there was a uh, uh, LGBTQ pride kind of uh, kind of parade thing or- that was happening in a park, and there was a young man, no no older than twenty years old, who was standing on the sidewalk, mind you, a public sidewalk, one of which any person is legally allowed to walk on and communicate on. Uh, He had a microphone and a speaker, and he was reading Bible verses. The police showed up and arrested this child, took him away from a public space where he has every right to sit and talk at. While looking across the the park, you see men dressed in drag queen uniform dancing in front of children, and we are over here arresting a child who is talking at normal volume level, who is simply reading scripture. I mean, The I, one
0: I, where it could be borderline pornographic material where people are scantily dressed and obviously right. not appropriate. And then the other one, someone just speaking their beliefs and their, yeah, I, I could see where that is just frustration. Now there was a, you know, I'm sure they probably tried to get them on some technicality. Like if it, some places won't allow you to use an amplified voice, so you can't use something electronic. Right. But then again, It kind of seems like they're using the rules in certain situations. Almost feels like when they, you know, that one kid gets hit for selling lemonade outside his, you know, parents' house without, you know, registering first. And uh, those those are just very ludicrous, frustrating. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it feels like a lot of these people are looking for an emotional experience, like it's some kind of religion, like someone would go to church to feel emotional or go watch a a drama or something, not because they want to do scientific research, but because they want to feel emotions, you know, real deeply. If you really want to upset one of them, like I said, don't say something emotionally against them. Don't argue them on an emotional level. You know, come with them with facts and research and make it a scientific argument because they don't want to be in a logical state on it, completely sidestepping the argument they want to have. They want to have the argument that you're a bad person because you feel different than me. And you're going to have the argument of, hey, here are the facts. Let's take a look at this. And that'll really upset them. And I think those are the people they want to silence more than anything. They want those people to get out of there, even violently push them out of the park or whatever.
1: Completely. They they, they want people to think less, and they don't want them to think for themselves. You know, we talked about last time about communication and how our our community, our our, our music, our infrastructure has all been simplified down to this level where, you know, they, they don't even want you to attack in an argument logically. They want you to react emotionally. And if I have learned anything in my life, it is that if you are acting in an emotional response, oftentimes it is, it is sporadic. It is, it is involuntary. Um, you often, often say not things. not effective. Right, exactly. It is not effective. And, and logic overwhelmingly destroys these arguments. But... This is why they won't debate. This is why most people won't debate. This is why, let's just go into hypothetical real quick. When you have a presidential candidate who refuses to debate on a long period of time, it begs the question, why not? If you want to run this country, you should be able to argue until you're blue in the face that you can do it better than the guy standing across from you. And when we completely cut out this side of of litigation and democracy, it it begs the question, do we really choose who rules this country or who leads this country? And I use rule intentionally because I don't believe they're leading anything. Uh, I think they're controlling. Yeah, it's a sad thing. We need to talk more, everybody, on every level. Yeah, I think we need to get people back together
0: as well. I think it's unfortunate. Like uh, There is a lot of talk, but I, I wish the old days where people have camaraderie were people accomplish a thing together and they become closer and stronger. And they, I think they're actually you know, a little more accepting, you know, different parts of the other person, you know, having different opinions or this and that. But if we're never ever accomplishing anything. Then I think kind of that, that boredom and that lack of drama, because if the mind doesn't have stimulation, it's going to go out either find it or create it. And I think, exactly. I think we're in a state where we're creating a lot of the excitement and, People always seem to think like, Hey, if I have no problems whatsoever, that's when I'm going to be happy. Mm -mm. And really regardless of what you accomplish, you should be happy with the fact that you're reducing your problems. Like you're always going to have problems, but they're going to be much lesser problems. You know, I think we're doing pretty good being that we're dealing with first world problems, but someone who's going to, with the expectation there being no problems, well for one, that's incorrect. And you wouldn't be happy either way. You'd be completely bored if you're not trying to, you know, make anything a little bit better and working at it each day.
1: We're a sophisticated organism with a very complex brain. You know, we need this up, down, up, down, grow, die, grow, die. And and if you don't, I'm not sure where that would leave us. I'm not sure whether we'd even be happier if that was how we uh, interacted as a society.
0: I agree. I think, evolutionarily speaking, I mean, our minds have evolved to these problem solving machines that if we don't feed them, they're not going to do well. It's kind of like if you just have you know, a big, strong dog, and if you don't let him get out and just stretch his legs and really open up and run, he's not going to be happy. So, I mean, I, it, it brings joy to my heart when I see those dogs on the internet and the owners put him on that little treadmill because the dog is just whimpering. Looks he so wants happy. to run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just letting him open up and that's just great. And I mean, I got a pretty good uh, sized backyard. And the last dog I had, he was a you know half Mastiff, half Great Dane. And boy, he could run. And we had a trampoline in the middle of the yard and Anywhere around the border, you obviously had a little bit of trail, but he would really kind of on part of his path just open up and run really fast around one of the corners of this trampoline. And I am not kidding you from running that so much, he has started banking the dirt a little bit. Obviously, the grass <laughs> started to die because that's a big dog running through there. And a little bit was edged, you know, edged out, you know, most of the depth there. But I mean, it was like half a foot difference from the bottom of that trench to the little bit of a, a mound he was creating on that outer edge. So it was. Boy, I'm glad he got to run, Yeah, and, but boy, if- It's beautiful to see. Oh yeah, and I think our minds are the same way if we don't have something to kind of challenge ourselves there. And I think we kind of have an epidemic of useless challenges put in front of us. Mm-hmm. And I think our mind can kind of figure that out to a point that when kids get onto a video game, like, yeah, the user interface is set up in a way to, it's just gonna kill as much time. And it's not the simple user interface we used to have back in the day We could find what you're wanting very quickly. And there's all these stupid little challenges that don't really accomplish anything. Or even some of the challenges in school are even more pointless as well. And I think we got to get back to where, you know, challenges actually had some agency in the real world. Like I remember, you know, kids back in the day, they took a bunch of lawnmowers. The old people didn't have time to fix, fix them back up. And they're selling these things for like $600 profit. And I think that was great for them. I knew another person where they raised cattle and they allowed one of the kids to just raise one of the, cows itself. And they basically let them keep almost all the profit. They just took out, you know, whatever feed and water and a lot of these other expenses to, you know, give it, you know, vaccinations, whatever it needed. And I think that's a great thing, but to tell kids you're going to have no agency, no change on the world around you whatsoever. I think that's a terrible thing.
1: Yeah. It comes to the detriment of the child. And again, this is where raising a child is very, very important. And what we are doing in modern society is letting public education, and the internet, raise your children. And that is a bad thing to do because it's the wild, wild west right now. And, you know...
0: They're going to train them to be happy little consumers. Yeah, they're not going to teach their kids to be more grateful to both of their parents. They're going to teach them to demand more. And that's exactly what Disney did with a lot of its shows. It increased the value of every ad on that show by you know, having shows that teach the kids to demand more. You deserve this. Everyone deserves something. And we all
1: see what those Disney stars turn out. Let's look 20 years in the future. The, the, the star of childhood. How did, how did those lives turn out 20 years later? You know, a lot of times they, they don't turn out great, or, you know, they, they certainly take a turn different than we would have all imagined, right? We would all love to see those Disney stars grow up and be great volunteers and great contributors to the community, but we don't see that. Right. So we see this divide to what reality is and what we try to to project to everybody else. And, you know, I think people need to be more authentic to themselves. I think people need to be more authentic uh, to who they are, regardless of what everybody else thinks about them. Right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And speaking of the money that's involved with, you know, that shapes a lot of our society. I think when it comes to the division, like there's a lot of money in division. And I think kids today, kind of like kids in the past used to collect uh, Boy Scout patches on accomplishments and things that they did something, you know, and have something to show with them. Difficult. Yeah, but I think unfortunately now kids are kind of collecting, you know, disabilities or hindrances or just, you know, things that are holding them back. Like these are almost a thing of pride now. And they're collecting them like Boy Scout patches. And I think that's unfortunate where a lot of people didn't, you know, if you were like borderline on something in the old days, you say, I'm going to work harder, you know, and deal with this thing. You know, maybe you weren't enough to be diagnosed with it. But nowadays, everyone's kind of pushing like, oh, no, no, I am this thing. They're diagnosing themselves when they Mm -hmm. really don't even fall into that spectrum. But they like being known as, hey, I'm afflicted with all of these things. Um, Feel bad for me. This give me status. Give me attention. Give me praise. And that's unfortunately that's kind of how it
1: works nowadays. And I largely it's for attention, whether it's positive or negative. You know, we've all heard, uh, good or bad publicity is good, right? It doesn't matter whether they're talking trash on you or not. Uh, It's all good publicity. All news is good news. Exactly, And, and unfortunately. Uh, this is trickling down to our children. But in my opinion, this started with the news. The news is who started this. The media is who started this. It has just leaked down into our children. And unfortunately, uh, that's something we're going to have to deal with over the next 30 years. We're This is not going to just go away. And this is not going to just uh, fix itself. And I don't even think largely that most people are going to be able to be fixed. Yeah. That's the tragic. I think
0: this was a little bit of a cash cow the media and so every little bit of division has a certain time frame at which they can play that out and i think unfortunately they keep dividing out and dividing out you know because yeah at first you know it was the only perpetrator the only bad people would have think would have been white men for the most part and i think now they've got, and gone and thrown in white women as well meaning they don't appreciate the new karen name with that but i think uh, the division keeps going eventually there's not going to be anyone left i think there's going to be a situation with the left eating themselves at some point
1: which which you see when you look at history the the further left leaning you you fall i think the quicker you find yourself in this dystopian society where it's kind of this race to the bottom and people don't seem to care as much for the community as they do for themselves they require the entire community to identify them as how they see fit rather than worrying about what they can do for their community. And we just need to be better. Generosity doesn't
0: make you money or gain you status, but calling someone out sure does nowadays. Like I said, with this division, you know, they've added in you know, white women as some of the evil ones as well. You know, I even saw a case recently where there was an African-American lady, well, she's also a lesbian, but she was complaining that she had got silenced on this platform for speaking out the dangers of uh, trans women who went through puberty, injuring other girls in sports. And she was upset. And I think it's just kind of crazy that I think it just kind of keeps on moving further and further that, you know, groups that were highly protected are now being evolved into the villains. And that's part of the problem too, is that you already have some villains, but Boy, you just need to keep adding new villains and then being more selective on who, you know, who the victims can be.
1: The truth is there's probably 1% of truly evil, horrific people on this planet. Yeah, there's only and so many psychopaths. Exactly. And what they try to do is confuse you to think that it could be anybody. Now, every, reality almost is everybody. Yeah. it could be anybody, but they try to convince you that it's everybody and it's not. Okay. When, what I find mostly, largely, is when I talk to people on a one on one level, we often get along far more than we disagree, right? It's usually just those few trigger words or those few trigger subjects where if you talk about this, you're a nobody, or if you talk about this, you're a it bigot, or if you to, talk about this, you're a racist. And it's just yeah, ridiculous. It
0: used to be America families all across the U.S. when it came to Thanksgiving, they'd come along and they could talk about anything and everything. And mm-hmm. nowadays, Boy, you know, political, gender, whatever, there's all kinds of things that it'll just destroy, you know, those relationships to where you're afraid people won't be getting together
1: anymore. And that's family. Notice what you just said. That's the, that's the worst part. You know, even families are disagreeing. Families can't even talk together. You know, it's one thing for, for acquaintances or peers to disagree and not want to communicate.
0: I mean, they have convinced us with all this propaganda just flooding into our TVs and our devices aimed at us. And basically, we're believing the narrative it's telling us that if someone slightly disagrees, slightly disagrees, you know, they're trying to say they're literally Hitler. And it's just, it's so stupid. We've lifted up the white knight protecting the woman in every single situation possible. And we've pushed down the fatherly figure that. I, I think that's unfortunate. I think we're doing too much of the white knight stuff that if you even make a woman feel uncomfortable because you have a different opinion, you'll have someone else, some guy step up there ready to punch somebody else. Of course. And you know, we've had so many kids now who don't have their father in the home. So they just, I think we need to bring back being a dad is a good thing, has great outcomes and we've just ignored the stats on this. And that's why we have a lot of the different problems we have today with these single parent households. We we need to raise back up that yeah, fathers are a good thing. And maybe a little bit of due process and discretion too, that you know, if a woman just doesn't like someone's opinion on something, maybe that's not a reason just to fall off and deck them, you know. I think it's got ridiculous.
1: I, I agree. Because of this fear that has been created around this entire society of raising a family, having a wife, et cetera, et cetera. That not it comes working to, out for you in the long not, run. Yeah, it's not working out for for most people. You know, the divorce rates fifty percent flip of a coin. You know, you as a man and that
0: doesn't mean you're necessarily happy in that relationship. Exactly. And she could be that's holding a, the fact that hey, that's I could a, leave with all this stuff that you've accumulated.
1: That's a great point to bring in. Those just because they're still together doesn't mean they're even happy. Uh, but my problem largely is my money is our money your money is your money so how come when it comes to my resources it's for the family uh, but when it comes to my children the women overwhelmingly end up with the children that 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 is just as much my child as it is your child now you may have carried it for nine months but just like my resources or my resources your resources are your resources and if they're not being shared I wouldn't say evenly because I don't believe in a fifty-fifty relationship. I don't think that's a real thing. I think most people are forced into a idea of a fifty-fifty relationship, but I don't believe there is. Such they're kind of tricked
0: into do. believing that it would be such. And I don't think it's possible. Yeah, it's anyone not who achievable. says like, "Hey, you need to join in on some contract and pretend that." Hey, it's not a good contract, but if you're a real man, you'll go ahead and sign that contract. And that's what they'll do. Hand the power. And I think that's the big thing: is like do anything and everything for someone else. You know, try and be a great person, generous in every way, but don't hand people control and power over you. And I think that's the big one. And that's unfortunately what a marriage contract is: is handing over power and control over you, and as opposed to you being able to give things. Them, it's like they have ownership of those things. Mm-hmm. You have nothing left to give, and so there's, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't feel good to, you know, like, hey, I have to give the, you know, this person already has this, so I have nothing to give them. I'm just a worker at this point,
1: and that's a governmentally bound contract. And and what you just said was so important. What they will attack you with is quote, not being a if man. you were a real man, end quote. That 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 sentence right there is so important for people to understand. Because on every level, this is what they do, even all the way up to the government, right? And I'm not saying marriage specifically, but it's always under, well, if you did this, you would be better. Well, if you did this, you would be better. Well, obviously there are millions of circumstances where we all could have done better. Um, But the idea that That you try to virtue signal yet again. That oh, if you were a real man, you would take care of your wife. Well, I don't disagree. Yeah, if me and my family and I had a a wife for 20 years and we had a great family, uh, or we had a a large family, and for whatever reason we decided to split, yeah, I would feel a sense of obligation to 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 take care of that woman. But if I'm making 50 million dollars a year and you think I should send her a million dollars a month, you are delusional. Okay. The idea that you need a million dollars a month to raise a child is ludicrous. And when men see things like this happening, they totally check out. And I can't blame them because why would you care? Why would you want to take that risk? Especially as, as an independent, I would like to believe that the relationship that we cultivate throughout our lifetime is what obligates me to take care of my family, not the federal government. Everything gets screwed up when you start involving the government. We see that every day. Oh, yeah. And you were talking about how
0: they just use shame. You're not a real man unless you do this or do that. I do see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel because I think a lot of younger guys are kind of realizing, like, yeah, they have a lot of shame fuel, but if they know that's just misplaced shame, that it's not really something someone is shaming them for to make them better, they're just using it for their own advantage and greed. You know, a lot of guys just aren't responding to that shame anymore. And I think it's going to be hard for for a lot of women out there who are just kind of used to being able to have that, that tool to get what they want, and it's been misused so much that it's really losing all effectiveness, and yeah, it's, it's going to make it harder down. for women in the future. And I think a lot of these younger guys, I think some of them are, are figuring it
1: out. That's a great point, and I think you're right. People are waking up and becoming aware, and I think it's part of this communication. If it wasn't for people like us talking about it, You know, most people wouldn't understand.
0: Even gay guys are becoming the villains now. I saw in an article, they're saying that gay guys are actually transphobic because they have sexual preferences dependent on genitalia. Basically what they're saying is if a gay guy turns down a trans man because he doesn't have what he's looking for, well, then he's automatically transphobic according to them it's kind of a wild it is well how I see it. Like if I go into a, a taco shop, I love tacos and if they bring out a sausage, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I have a right to be disappointed. So I'm going to stand up and say, you know what? Where's my We're,
1: taco? <laughs>
0: yeah. Where's my taco? But I'm going to stand up for, you know, gay guys. Cause I don't think they're trans. So, but they just have a preference and There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make them evil, but I think it's just we're hunting so bad for villains that aren't really there that, yeah, now they're even villainizing, you know, gay guys
1: for having a sexual preference. That's just absurd to me. That's super interesting how far people can really take these kinds of ideologies. You know, it doesn't really stop. You can almost apply it to anything. And it's kind of scary because once, They really weaponize something like this. I don't think there's an end to it. I think they ultimately will continue to dig and dig and dig for more control and more superiority. And and unfortunately, it comes to the detriment of the entire community. And... You know, we just have to do our best to call stuff like this out as ludicrous because the idea that you you state that a gay man is is, uh, transphobic because he refuses to date a specific gender is absolutely ridiculous. Okay, regardless of what the gender is, we all have sexual preferences, and it's very interesting how certain groups of people are demonized for those preferences while the other side of the aisle is completely allowed to demand whatever they see fit. It's very interesting. Yeah.
0: And I'm kind of hoping that maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel as they keep eliminating and make more people into the villain class. You know, eventually once you get more people over there, maybe just maybe we'll start seeing a turn because no one likes being the villain. And I don't think a lot of these folks who they were probably a lot of the big proponents of the stuff in the beginning, but once they become the villain, I don't think they're going to allow their ego, their ego is not going to allow them to deal with this. So they're going to finally get some kickback against this system too. So, you know, we can only, only hope.
1: I'm praying, man. I'm really hoping.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think culture and society has just found the easy way out of just claiming, Hey, I'm a victim. You know, I should be on that pedestal. And I just don't know how do we get back to the point where people actually accomplishing things, adding to society, making people's lives better, whether that be, you know, in the family or, at school or in their job or these other institutions or government. I mean, what what are your thoughts? How do do we get back to that where people are proud to be creators and producers rather than just, Hey, you know, something happened to me.
1: We have to incentivize the people who are doing the right things. Uh, when a man who wakes up at 6 AM every morning to pour concrete, is making less money than, than a young woman who's posting pictures of her feet on the internet. You know, it kind of demoralizes them and it tears them down. And it doesn't really help that uh, largely on the Internet, uh, what gets clicks and what gets views and what makes money is degeneracy, is, you know, negative pranks or bad mouthing or controversial topics or whatever it is. And I think we have to get back to incentivizing good mothers, good fathers, good families, good communities, just a good understanding of what it is to be an American. This is what we have lost. I don't care where you live in this country, what color you are, what religion you follow. You have a place in this country. You have a place to stand next to other fellow Americans to believe what you so what you see fit. But most importantly, to allow the other people to believe what they so fee, see fit.
0: I agree with you. Especially you said like mother and father, you know, no longer do we even hold up the mother or the father if they're in a happy marriage and taking care of their kids and doing right by the kids, that's no longer held up. You're right. We do need to get back to looking at those people as heroes, as good people and people we want to be. And, you know, I think if it starts there, I mean, with aspirations there, hopefully people will have similar ones. And, you know, whether it be in school or the government, we need to want people to do well and lift those people up. And we, we need to just say, no, that, you know, I've, the it's terrible when someone's a victim, but we need to look to the people who are actually doing things and accomplishing things because it's real easy for all of us to keep claiming victim. But the problem with this, with that divisive nature, we're all just keep making this group of villains bigger and bigger. And, you know, and plus where's there anywhere to aspire with that? You know, like, Oh, Hey, they're, they're a hero because they're a victim. Like there's nothing to aspire to that. Hey, what can I do better besides, be victimized, to be at the same level as that guy.
1: I agree. And that's why working harder is always the answer, you know, regardless of your circumstance or situation, the answer is always to pay more attention, to work harder, to, to try to be better, be happier, and, and just overall benefit the people around you, you know. We all want to better our own circumstance. And me as a man, you know, I I don't believe me bettering my own circumstance makes me a man. I think bettering my family's circumstance is what makes me a man. People need to give more and care more and feel more. And man, I hope we do. I hope we find our path.
0: I sure hope so too. And, you know, I hope more people like you get kind of, held up there too, to where, Hey, I want to be like that, you know, caring for my family, as opposed to, you know, trying to be the best looking guy in the club and just this high influencer status, who's just trying to do nothing but get laid as much as possible. Cause that's, you know, that's not what's going to make society better.
1: It's just a race to the bottom, man. We come back to this short-term satisfaction, all of those things you just described are all things that give you short-term satisfaction, but no long-term growth and no long-term happiness. And that's where we as a society need to decide that there is a future. This is the problem. Most people are so internally thinking right now that they're not looking 20, 30, 40 years into the future where that reality is this clock is going to keep ticking and you need to plan for the future. You need to plan for your family's future. and, And I hope that the future you are trying to build is better than one that you had because that in my opinion is what you are supposed to do. Yeah,
0: I think just that overall belief that we can make the world a little bit better place and provide a little bit better for our family. I mean, that's really what keeps people pushing forward and you know, everybody watching. Uh, you know, raise up those people doing the right things. Ask your kids to do things and accomplish things. There's there's more to life than just you know being a victim. We support those folks, but you know support them to better their life, to overcome, strive and accomplish because that's where their real sense of accomplishments come from. Because if they're only feeling good because people say, "Hey, you're a hero," that's temporary. But if someone has agency and can change the world around them for the better and overcome adversity, that's where the real long term satisfaction comes from. So. Thank you, Dalton. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. I'm so grateful to be here, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Excited to have you on again sometime.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited for it, man. I think this next topic is really going to be a doozy for us. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, stay strong, and remember, lift up the real heroes in your community. Love you guys. See you in the next one.